Welcome on in to the Tony Parks Podcast. Wow! That's all that actually needs to be said about BYU's performance against the Navy on Monday night. We're going to get into it, but let me first say thank you to the wonderful support of the show from all of you listening on Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and more. I love all the feedback from your emails, TonyParks801 at gmail.com. Today's show brought to you by Peak 3-on-3 Basketball. It takes place September 26th through October 24th. It's for kids ages grades uh, 3 through 12. Your kids are going to have a great time, a great value for your money, by the way. It all takes place in Farmington. Uh, Farmington City has done a really nice job with their facilities, making sure it's safe, making sure it's everything you need it to be. The tournament organizers have done a fabulous job. I shouldn't call it a tournament. It's really like a league because uh, the games take place on Saturdays, and uh, you get plenty of playing time. And with it being three-on-three, three, your kids are going to get uh, the ball in their hands plenty of times uh, as well. So grades 3rd through 12th, the games take place September 26th through October 24th. Uh, UEA weekend is the only one where they take it off, so it's like four Saturdays over the course of uh, five total weeks, right? And uh, your kids are going to love to be a part of it. So go to peak3on3basketball.com for more information. Uh, You can save some money, get the early bird price if you tell them you heard it right here on the show. And uh, if you're a Farmington resident, get 30% off of uh, being a part of it. Go to peak3on3basketball.com for more information. Speaking of Farmington, be safe up there, everyone. I know the winds have been absolutely nuts as they're howling through uh, here the day that I am uh, recording this. Uh, so much to be impressed about when watching BYU football after their first game of the year. 55-3 to against a team that has been very good in the American uh, over the last few years. Uh, BYU went on the road, two time zones. They dominated from the start to the finish. It was great to see them run the football like that, play with that kind of physicality, fire, passion for 60 minutes. Uh, The offensive and defensive lines were terrific, played with violence, pushed people around. I mean, they made it look easy at times. Very, very easy at times. Algier with, uh, what, 132 yards, two scores. Katoa only had 10 carries. He made every one of them count. Love the way McChesney ran the ball later on in the game. Uh, Gunnar Romney, amazing uh, after the catch. Uh, Put up, what, 134 yards receiving and a touchdown. Milne uh, uh, had a really... A nice grab and continues to kind of make the tough catch look easy. Um, I agreed with Spencer Linton. He had uh, tweeted back at me and said this is the most uh, underappreciated offensive weapon on that team, and I would agree with him 100%. Uh, Zach Wilson threw the ball only 18 times, only needed to. He started one of four, but uh, finished with really efficient numbers. I mean, he was he was great. I mean, it was a great performance all the way around in an impressive win to start what is going to be a bizarre year. And, of course, this is a different season, and by no means do I think uh, that the Cougars should be considered national championship contenders because of this performance. Um, But this was a victory they should be proud of for different reasons than some of their other wins in the previous years, and I'll talk about why. Uh, Real quickly, though, Navy's offense, not known as a big play offense, but they tore off a lot of big plays last year, uh, more than you would think. They averaged about seven 20-plus yard plays in the last four games of the season uh, a year ago. 
So several plays over 30 and 40 yards. And in this game, BYU didn't give up one of those in the first half. I think they give up two in the second half, and that was when the game was out of reach anyway. So defense, on my advanced scoring chart, they get a shutout because the three points that were given up are classified as meaningless due to the deficit. Uh, The defense gives up just 149 yards. Navy was just 2 of 11 on third down. This is outstanding. This is outstanding. And I said months ago, when giving my assessment of the program, they needed to get back to dominating teams that are in their weight class. There's a number of things you might want to consider wrong with BYU football, and you can complain about it. But BYU, in the last three years, has had a losing record each year against teams from G5 conferences. 7-11 and 11 total in the last three years. So you might think to yourself, oh, you know, that 4-9 and nine season probably outweighed it all. It's not true. It's not true. Uh, the, their record against G5 conference teams in that 4-9 and nine year uh, was actually their best season winning percentage-wise against the G5 conference teams. So keep that in mind. Um, BYU had a problem with not creating big enough plays defensively. Uh, you heard it on the broadcast. They were 111th in sacks, 109th in TFLs. They also had a history of making losing plays, of hurting themselves, losing focus on the simple things that win football games. That's how they would lose some of these games after winning the turnover battle, winning the penalty battle, giving up two yards rushing in one of those games. They always found a way to make losing plays and not getting enough explosiveness out of their defense. So last year, I would hear it all the time. Well, Tyson Williams got hurt, this and that and the other. Well, if this was different, the game would have been different. Sure, but those weren't the number one reasons why they were winning or why they were losing. BYU was the number one reason why they were losing. Their performances. I thought they underperformed as a whole, grading the season like an SAT last year. So the focus for BYU needed to get back to just simply eliminating losing. And week one for them was fantastic in that area. And when we say eliminating losing, we're talking about getting rid of the self-inflicted wounds that hurt them last year. They were outstanding up front both sides, fundamentally sound, assignment sound, against an offense that can really test your eye discipline, your commitment to doing the same thing over and over again, forcing you to fall in love with boring. They did that. No matter what the assignment was, every person was dedicated to it. BYU was ready for that challenge, and I was really impressed all the way around. On the other side of things, by the way, Navy was clearly not ready to play. Uh, This is a team that didn't have uh, contact and all of that through camp, and it showed. So while I do take that into consideration, it's not like BYU beat them 24-17. This is a can of whoop, a serious can of whoop. Um, The other thing I'll say, classy move by Kalani Sataki, end of the game, took it to a knee. I would not have criticized him if he had scored another rushing touchdown or kicked a field goal because the time, the down, the distance was still okay to, you know, to keep playing. Like, if he runs a flea flicker, I might feel a little different, but the fact that he didn't score when he could have was great, and I respect coaches who think of stuff like that. Once again, I would not have criticized him if they did run the football and score again, but I think it was awesome that he, you know, took the approach that he did. It was very classy. Uh, The Cougars had more first downs in the first half than the midshipmen had passing yards, which I know can be the truth, you know, more times than not against, like, Army or Navy with, with the way they play. Um, so I love the way that the O-line executed, like I said, and to be honest, when I look at how clean they played, it started to remind me of some of the characteristics of BYU teams that were great in the past. Not necessarily even like that national championship great, 
um, like WAC championship, great. Mountain West championship, great. Having a few more NFL draft picks, great. That's what I'm wondering about with this program and what they can do in the future. Because I've said it, the first step for BYU to getting back to being great again is to start dominating more of these teams. And I talked about it in a previous episode. If you're, if you're a, um, a big BYU fan, I suggest you go check out episode 15. I think you'll like it. Uh, when you're done listening to the show, go back and listen to episode 15. I kind of give a whole overview, uh, and you'll have to let me know what you think as I break down the program altogether. Uh, the path to getting back to dominating their weight class is the same as Bronco Mendenhall's path to getting Virginia to a great season like last year. Now, understand where the comparison becomes real. BYU is not going to the Orange Bowl. It's not what I'm saying. But BYU can do, performance-wise, what Virginia did last year against their weight class. All Virginia did last year was beat teams that look eye-to-eye to them. Because if you look at accomplishment level, what Virginia did was historic, it was special, it was unbelievable, it was all-time, right? And it's the year they're always going to point back to being so tremendous. But if you look at what Virginia did performance-wise, it wasn't nearly as spectacular as people will remember. That's because college football has always had an incongruent look at accomplishment and performance. So I would easily make the point that Utah outperformed Virginia in 2019, like hands down. But Virginia had what people would consider a better season and bigger accomplishment, New Year's Six game, Orange Bowl, uh, and all of that stuff. So back to the point about Virginia and Bronco last year, he just simply beat more of the teams in that weight class during the season. He had eight of those games, right? Eight. He won six of them. His team wasn't full of big plays. They didn't even get a takeaway in four of those games. That team wasn't loaded with talent. They had two fifth-round draft picks. They had one first-team all-conference player, and it was an all-purpose player. They had one second-team all-conference player. That was their quarterback. Pretty good player. So this historic season didn't even result in an all-conference defensive player on the first or second team. All they did was stay away from the catastrophic mistakes, minimize the penalties to a great level. I think they won every game in the penalty department, maybe with the exception of one. Six of those eight games were one-possession games. I count the Virginia Tech as a one-possession game. It was a nine-point deficit, but they got that fumble recovery for touchdown really late to put it away. So, And it was like a two-point game with under a minute to go. So clearly that's like a one-possession game in terms of the way it was played. So here in this situation for BYU against Navy, one turnover, one penalty. That's going to win you a lot of games. And when those teams are not coming from the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, it's going to win you even more. And it might look like 55-3 to or, you know, 38-7 to or 35-14. to You know, whatever it ends up being, this is that optimal level that I've been trying to talk about. People keep trying to say, oh, BYU needs this. They need that. They need that. No, they've got to stop hurting themselves. And that's what last night's game was very much about. So close games against eight opponents that weren't great that you were in the same classification in terms of quality, that being for Virginia. They won six of those eight games, tacked on the wins against Old Dominion, who ended up 1-11, and and William and & Mary, who is an FCS team. Next thing you know, you're 8-4. and four. That's 8-4 and four is nice, but 8-4 and four is not legendary, spectacular. But you have eight wins over teams that aren't very good. 
Only Virginia Tech had a record over 500 against P5 teams during the regular year. And your losses come against two of the eight teams that aren't very good. And then you lost to Notre Dame, who you competed well against for a while, but you were still soundly beaten. And then when you played a team like Clemson, it was 62-17. to 17. It, was, it was an absolute nightmare. So this, this isn't a slight towards Virginia and Bronco. I'm just trying to tell the whole truth here. The compliment is that they were near perfect in the things they controlled and got the path through the Orange Bowl due to three things. One, weak division. Two, conference affiliation and how that tied into the bowl game. And then three, beating most of the teams that they should have. And by the way, I said their record was 8-4. Uh, and 9-4 and four after that conference championship game. But you get my point. 9-4 like and four is viewed as nice, but it's not out of this world. So I said it before, I'll say it again. BYU's first step to getting back to being great is doing what they just did in that first game against Navy. It's awesome that Kalani has great P5 wins. I'm not saying they shouldn't be proud of those. He actually was 4-4 four and four in a span of eight P5 games, which if you're not a P5 team and you don't have P5 resources and P5 money and all that, like that's really awesome for any G5 team or non-Power 5 team to do that. Uh, but they have to start being one of the best non-Power 5 teams in the country again. And they flat haven't been. And what they did on Monday night was a huge step in that direction. One of those indicators, like I said, that one turnover, and uh, all that simply was was a, um, uh, what am I thinking, uh, Pau lost his footing, I think. Good throw, and it was picked off. And then they had one false start. So you're not going to play a perfect game. But if you have very minimal mistakes, man, combined with, with polishing fundamentals the way they did, they should feel awesome about that. You live with that every time. This is very much what I was talking about when looking at Virginia a year ago. So what Bronco did a year ago at Virginia is the same formula for BYU to take a huge step in the right direction to being what they should be. I think, I think playing football like this is what Kalani Satake envisioned when he took over the job. And so I've said it plenty of times, even before the season started, that this team had the capability of going undefeated. You know, and most times that would seem like a lofty goal, but I think they're better than all of these teams that they have standing in front of them. This is going to be great. They don't go Utah, USC, Washington. They don't have to try and stay healthy through that situation. They get gaps of time between the games including some time off before they face Army coming up on the 19th. So BYU showed their maturity, focus, preparation, and hunger to prove more than what they showed a year ago. Tom Holmo, a lot of credit. Kalani Satake, a lot of credit. Everybody there dealing with what they've done, uh, dealt with, uh, they deserve a lot of credit for showing up so well. And it's too bad they don't get to have some of the other teams that they had on the schedule. You know, not just the P5 opponents. Like, those are obvious. But Utah State, Boise State, San Diego State, like that would be great to see on that schedule. Northern Illinois, there was another one that I would have loved to uh, had a chance to watch. And this BYU team wasn't going to be undefeated with that original schedule. But after one week, I saw a lot of evidence that this team took their weaknesses very seriously. They took responsibility for their own doing in what was a disappointing 19 season overall, in my opinion. They get some meat on the schedule that I think will be fun to evaluate. Not enough, but they get some. Um, but it's possible at the end of this 
that we're left wondering just how good this team could be against better competition, and, and that's real. Until then, 55-3 to is a fantastic start to an interesting season and a great way to end a holiday weekend. Thanks again for listening to the Tony Parks Podcast. Remember, three-on-three basketball, peak three-on-three basketball. Uh, I talked about it before. A great and safe league for your kids to play in during this fall, September 26th through October 24th. Four Saturdays, your kids get to play games, be involved in a really fun environment. Uh, If you tell them that I sent you, like I said, you get the early bird price, even though that time is expired. And if you're a Farmington resident, 30% off. That's a great deal. Take advantage of it. Um, It all takes place in Farmington. That's one reason why. So great value for your money. And your kids are going to love the experience. Uh, They have uh, great backup plans, by the way, for any situation that happens to disrupt play. Like if, you know, we don't know what might happen here in the future. So you're not going to deal with, well, sorry, folks, we've kept your money. Oh, no. They're going to be more than fair and honest and safe when putting all of this together. Um, the leadership uh, for, for this peak three-on-three basketball has been second to none with being forward-thinking, with making sure they have great plans in place, and seeing to it that you know they're very fair and safe to the kids, to the families, everybody involved. Uh, for grades third through 12th, and the games are at night. I actually like this. Uh, they're not too late, but they're in the evening. So even if you have like other stuff on Saturdays, like let's say soccer with a different kid or you know, something else going on during Saturday day, this is going to fit in your schedule perfectly. Um, so for more information, take a look at it. Go to peak3on3basketball.com. That's peak3on3basketball.com. Uh, they'll have answers to all of your questions, uh, making sure that uh, you definitely feel good about it. All right, thanks for listening. Uh, on all different forms, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and more, follow us on all forms of social media at Tony Parks 801. Email me, TonyParks801 at gmail.com. This has been the Tony Parks Podcast on the Utah Podcast Network.